This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. I'm excited to be back here with you guys uh, this morning here at the River Church. We're continuing in our uh, series we're calling uh, You Asked For It. And the reason why we're calling it that, if you're new here with us today, is because it's a series that the people in our church asked for. So you asked for it. And what we did was we took about a month and a half month-ish, and I, we have the communication cards that you have with you today in your uh, in your worship guide. And in there, we said, hey, tell us some things that you are curious about in the Bible. Tell us some things that uh, you have questions about. Tell us some things that you maybe would like to hear preached about or talked about in church. And so this series is kind of uh, the response to that. And so we took the things that you asked and uh, requested, and we put it in a seven-week series. And so um, there's a lot of really good things that we're going to be talking about. And and I want to say this, there were so many great questions that I couldn't fit them all into one series. And so we're actually, over the next year, going to have three series in total that are based on questions you asked. And so if we get through this whole series and you're like, well, he didn't answer my question, give me some time, okay? Give me some time. We're going to get there. Um, we're we're planning, uh, planning that. So... Um, We'll cover your questions eventually, I promise. So um, if you were here last week, it was a real, uh, how? what's a good way to say it? Depressing day, wasn't it? Yeah, so you guys are laughing because what we talked about last week was suffering. And basically throughout the sermon, I said, uh, you're either suffering right now, headed towards suffering, or just coming out of suffering. And so it was really kind of like not very encouraging at all, but it was all about how to walk through that in a healthy way, how to walk through that in a godly way, and how to come out of that with your relationship in God intact and having God worked on your heart, moved on your heart. And so we were kind of joking that, man, we, we probably just, I was walking out seeing some people just need some hugs because it was just kind of a tough day, right? Like kind of like, man, I'm going to suffer. Awesome. Yeah. Can't wait. Thanks, preacher. I'm so glad I'm in church. Right. Um, well, today is going to be just as bad. So yeah, um, today not not as bad, but uh, you may not want to hug after church. You might want to hit the preacher after church. Let's put it that way. Um, today we're talking about loving difficult people, and everybody said amen. I can't believe you actually said amen on that one. <laughs> today we're talking about loving. We all have. Um, how do I say this gracefully? Um, we all have people in our lives that make life hard, don't we? Yeah. I was talking to Joel, the guy who was on the drums this morning. Uh, we were doing a prayer walk around the building. I, I told him what we were talking about, and he was like, yeah, man, I, I thought of like 10 people as soon as you said that. I even saw a few of you elbow your neighbors. And so maybe that person is here with you in church today. I don't know. Um, we can pray with them or talk later. Um, but we all have people in our lives that make life harder, right? And it's on all ends of the spectrum. It's all types of people that could be a coworker that's just not quite pulling their their weight at work that's driving you crazy. It could be a spouse or an ex-spouse. It could be someone in your life who's caused you genuine hurt and pain. It could be uh, that relative that just won't move out of the house, right? Can I get an amen, right? It could be that, right? We all have different people in our lives that maybe make life difficult. And what happens is, in our wisdom, we try to come up with ways to deal with those people, to deal with those situations. Um, but a lot of times, it doesn't work out so well. Like I heard this joke. Uh, the guy says he, uh, the guy walked into a, a grocery store or something. He said he walked in, and one of his buddies saw him and said, hey, man, uh, 
what, how, how, how's it going? How's your day? So that's good. And he said, a uh, guy had this big old like block right here on his chest. He said, what's that? What's that? Why do you have that on your chest? And he said, well, every time I'm in here, the store manager comes up and just pokes me in the chest. It's like, hey man, how's it going? Slaps me on the chest. It's so good to see you. He said, so I put a stick of dynamite on my chest. So when he comes up and he pokes me, I'm going to blow his hand off. You there yet? Yeah. Maybe it just wasn't that funny of a joke, right? Like, Sometimes the solutions that we come up with hurt us a whole lot more than they hurt the people that we're trying to change, we're trying to deal with. And we try to fix it by, by getting them, right? We're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get them. But what happens is we end up being hurt more. It makes us bitter. It makes us frustrated. And, and the solutions that we often come up with to change the other person, to get the other person, to get them to do what we want to do, oftentimes actually hurts us more than helps us because we're trying to get them to behave how we want, treat us how we want, force them to be what we want to be or what we want them to be. And so today, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. And, and I, the warning ahead of time is this might be another one of those tough messages because um, uh, I'm going to talk honestly with us and tell you, look, you're always going to have difficult people in your life. This isn't like a solution how to get rid of them. There's always going to be people that annoy you. Amen. There's always going to be people who maybe they've hurt you or done things you don't like. There may be people that you um, wish that you could get out of your life, but because of the circumstances of life, they're in your life. And maybe some difficult people move on and others move on or whatever, but in the grand scheme of life, they will always be that type of person around you in your life. And so what I want to talk about today is in the midst of it, how God can work on your life how God can change you in it. And I want to tell you from the jump that it starts with us surrendering our hearts today by saying, God, I'm giving you the relationship. I'm going to let you have this. I'm going to let you work on this. I want to show you something from James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 this morning. It's kind of where we're going to start out. He says, what is the source of wars and fights among you? So he's talking to the early church. This is James. He's talking to the early church. What's the source of wars and fights among you? Essentially, he's saying, what's the problem? And we can go, I can tell you the problem, right? I can give you some names. I can give you a list. I can tell you that they did this, this, and this. Can't we? Right? So what's the source of the fights among you, the wars among you? So we want to go, hey, I'll tell you what the problem is. The problem is him. The problem is her. And watch what James says. Don't they come from the cravings that are at war within you? You desire and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war you do not have because you do not ask. And what's, we're not going to dive too deep into this scripture this morning, but it was interesting. You say, hey, what's the problem with the, the wars inside you? What's the problem with the fights inside of you? And we're going to go, let me tell you about that person who the problem is. Let me tell you. And James says, doesn't it come from the war that's within you? Doesn't it come because you desire something and you can't have it? And, and I want to start out by saying this. One of the greatest sources of all of life's frustrations is when we want something that we can't have. And what we do is we look at people and we get in a situation today. We want someone to behave a certain way or act a certain way or treat us a certain way or to ask us for forgiveness or to apologize to us or to just stink and change. But James is going to say to us, and really is, is beginning to say to us, but that's all about them. That's all about what they can control. And so you're frustrated, you're angry, because you can't have, you want something that you can't have, and what you want is for them to be different. You want them to change. You want them to do this, 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 and this. And he's going, but you can't control that. 
That's not within your power. And so if we're going to sit here this morning and want them to change, want them to be different, want them, God, do something. Get them, God. What James is going to say and what God's going to want to talk to you about is say, hey, let's worry about what we can control this morning. Because we can't control them. But we can control me. And so this is kind of a tough talk because when we talk about difficult people, we want, you want me to give you a three-step plan to change them. You want me to teach them how to act. And, and instead, God's going to say to us, let's talk about how we can change this morning. How <laughs> if we make today all about other people and changing them, then we're going to remove God's power to work in our lives today. Because the truth is, that person that you're thinking about probably isn't here with you today. Maybe they are. You know, maybe they are. And maybe we can talk after church. But I do know that you are here. So let's focus on us and not them. Let's let God work on us today. So how do we do this? How do we love difficult people? And by love, let me give you this caveat. I don't mean accept them into your everyday life. Like there may be some people we need to remove from our lives. I'm not saying allow them to continue just hurting you and doing what they want to you. I'm not saying let them abuse you or take advantage of you. I'm not, I'm not saying any of those things. What I am saying is how do we respond in a Christ-like way? How do we respond in a Christ-like manner? How should we think towards them? How should we feel towards them? Okay? Like there's some people we, just, we need to remove from our lives if at all possible. So I'm not saying just let them come in and hurt you. Love them. No, no. How do we respond in a Christ-like way? So number one, here's where we're going to start. And you're going to just love this one. Overlook the offense. Some of you guys are going, uh, no, I'm out. I'm out already. Now, I'm not talking about serious offenses or crimes, but here's what I do know is when there's people in our lives that annoy us or irritate us, or maybe they've done something to us that we don't like, what we do is we begin to nitpick every little thing. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, someone's clapping in the back, right? Yeah, we begin to look at everything they do, and what happens is they're driving us crazy, and we begin to watch every, they're five minutes late. They always do this. They always do this, right? Her husbands didn't take out the trash. He never takes out the trash, right? Never takes out the trash. There are divorces that have happened because she squeezed the toothpaste out of the tooth. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like instead of just, I do it neat. She does it messy. That's why me and Katie have separate toothpaste. That's looking at our own marriage. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What happens, though, is when we get difficult people in our lives, we begin to nitpick every single offense, and eventually it's not so much about them. It's about us looking for things that they're doing to get upset about, to get angry about. Proverbs 10, 12 says, hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers all offenses. Proverbs 12, 16 says, a fool's displeasure is known at once, but whoever ignores an insult is sensible. Proverbs 19, 11 says, a person's insight gives him patience and his virtue is to overlook the offense. And, and he says, it's virtue to overlook the offense. Here, here's, here's what I, he means by that. And here's what I, when I say overlook the offense, here's what I'm talking about. To look at someone and not just see them as their mistakes. To look at someone and not just see them as the pain that they have caused you, not just see them as the things that they've done wrong, but to see them as a human being. And you say, how do I do that? It's this word empathy. Empathy. It's to look at someone who's hurt you or caused you pain and to be able to empathize with what's going on with them and to see them as, you've heard this phrase before, hurting people hurt people. Have you heard that before? If someone's hurting you, if someone's driving you crazy, Chances are they're a hurting person too. You say, but Mike, some people are just jerks. <laughs> yeah, they are. 
Yeah, yeah. But what Proverbs is saying to us is that love has the ability to look past the what, the mistake, the wrong that they've done, look past the what and see the who. And the who is a person who's in pain. For us as Christians to be able to empathize instead of judge, to look at this person who's hurting you and to see someone that's a broken human being. And the truth of the matter is, after all, that's what we are without Christ. Without Jesus transforming us and changing us, that's what we are, broken, hurting people. It just, the thing is, it just displays itself in different ways. It just displays itself in different ways, and we need that same grace. Secondly, what I would encourage you to do this morning, number one is, if, if possible, overlook the offense. Number two, pray for them. And you're going, oh, I do pray for them, Mike. Jesus, get them. Send the locusts down from heaven, right? Destroy them. Lord, crush the wicked with your righteous right hand, right? Yeah. yeah. Here's what's interesting is God's going to command us to pray for our enemies, and it's not even really so much for the benefit of our enemies or for the people that have hurt us. It's actually for your benefit. Did you know that? It's actually for your benefit. Matthew 5, 43 and 44 says, You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, Jesus is speaking this, these words to a predominantly Jewish and Roman crowd. And here's what's interesting. In the Jewish law at the time, they had a law that was eye for an eye. So if, if they get you, you get them right back, baby. Right? If they hurt you, you hurt them. Right? If they steal from you, you steal 10 times. Right? 10 times. The Romans worshipped a God of revenge. And so Jesus is speaking this into a crowd that this idea of, no, don't get them back, love them. No, no don't get them back, pray for them. Don't, don't get them back, bless them. This idea is completely countercultural, and it's even really countercultural today, isn't it? He's going to say, pray for them, love them. And, and here's what I want you to hear this morning, okay? Because you might say, well, Mike, I do pray for them, but it doesn't do any good. I do pray for them, and they won't change. I do pray for them, and they still do X, Y, and Z. Praying for someone doesn't necessarily change them, but it will change you, and it will soften your heart, and it will make your heart connect to God. And as you connect with God about other people, it will help you see them like Jesus sees them. I'm going to tell you something this morning, and I probably shouldn't admit to this, but occasionally there have been times in my life where um, Katie does not have the same opinion as me. Can you believe that? Katie's my wife, if you're new here. And, and, and when she, I know, like, but I'm, you know, you're looking at me like, but you're so, you look, you're so wise, Michael. How could she disagree? I don't know. If I knew, we, <laughs> we wouldn't have that problem. But as she disagreed with my opinion, that disagreement of opinions maybe turned into a heated discussion, which turned into an argument, which turned into a fight. And sometimes, I know I'm the pastor with the perfect marriage, right, of course, naturally, but um, those fights have sometimes not lasted one day or two days or three days, but have gone on for several days. And if you, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about if you're married, right? And what's interesting about these um, arguments that have turned into fights that have lasted several days, sometimes what has happened, several times what has happened is as we've been 
talking or fighting or just going on. I'll get up in the morning. I'll do my, my quiet time. Right? I'll, I'll pray. And as I'm praying and talking to God, what I'll start to do is I'll, pr- I'll pray, God, you've got to change her mind. God, you need to show her that I am I'm a very wise person. That I know what I'm talking about, and she, she does not. <laughs> and I'll begin to pray those types of prayers in all transparency. God, help her to see. God, help her to understand. God, God, get her. Punish her, Jesus, right? And but as I'm praying these prayers what begins to happen is something called conviction. And what starts to happen is God beginning to speak to me and going, Mike, let's not, so, let's not focus so much on the issue that you're upset about. Let's begin to talk about your heart. Let's begin to talk about, hey, how, how you are a husband to a wife and how you're supposed to love her, protect her, serve her, and how the, the relationship is messed up because of your pride, your ego, your blah, 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 right? And in this prayer, we begin to pray. And what God begins to do is he begins to change my heart. He begins to change my heart. And suddenly I begin to see her differently. I begin to empathize with her point of view. I begin to understand. And, and I, I stop being so angry about my rights. I stop being so angry about what I deserve. I stop being so, so focused on getting to understand my point of view. And I begin to have empathy and begin to try to see things from, from her way. And God begins to change my, my heart. And by the way, she does the same thing for me, right? And we begin to find healing. We begin to talk about it. And, and, and we're able to come together. And, and so the answer is, so, so Mike, what happened? Did God punish her? Did God get her? Did God change her mind? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. God didn't come to her in a cloud and was like, listen to your husband. And then I, everything was better, right? But as I began to pray about her, God began to change me. And it doesn't mean that everything was fixed perfectly or whatever, but in the prayer for the person who was my enemy of the moment, God began to work on my heart and change my heart, and we found healing in that. And so prayer won't always change the other person, but it will change you, and it will help you see them like Jesus, have a point of view of Jesus, and it will make you more like Jesus. Number three on that list, so number one, overlook the offense. Number two, pray for them. Number three, forgive them. Forgive them. And you say, but Mike, you don't know what they did. I know, I know. Mike, but they don't deserve it. Yeah, they, prob- they probably don't, to be honest. I'm not saying keep them in your life. I'm not let- saying let them keep running over you, let them keep hurting you. But I am saying that it's good if we can find a place to forgive them for what they've done. And you say, Why? Because just like prayer, when you say praying for them isn't really actually about them, it's about you. Forgiveness isn't really about the other person, it's actually about you. Forgiveness is not for their sake, it's actually for your sake. It's actually for your sake. Jesus even models this for us several times. Luke 23, 34, check this out. It said, Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. As he says these words... <laughs> His clothes are being gambled for. He's in the midst of being beaten, abused, crucified. And he looks at his enemies and says, God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He models this for us. Not only does he model it for us, but when he, he, he commands us to do it as well, he doesn't just model it for us. He models us, it to us. Colossians 3.13, accepting one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, just this word, just as the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also 
forgive. Now, I know we all have our own bags of sins here, right? We all have our own issues and things like that. But here's something I, I will tell you as a truth this morning. You will never forgive someone else more than God has forgiven you. You will never forgive someone else more than God has forgiven you. And as we talk about this, one of the most applicable truths for us in here is we, we think about forgiveness and we think about why does God want me to forgive them? Why does God want me to do this? Why? One, it makes us Christ-like. Num- number two, though, oftentimes when we forgive, we think, well, if I forgive them, Mike, then I'm setting the prisoner free, man. Like I, if, I, if I forgive them, I'm letting them off the hook. If I forgive them, and the truth of the matter is that, is, yes, when you forgive someone, you are setting a prisoner free. But what you're missing is that you are the prisoner that's being set free. Because one of the most applicable truths in here is someone once said, unforgiveness is like setting yourself on fire and hoping the other person will die of smoke inhalation. It's stupid. <laughs> And it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Because what happens is we think if I just continue to be bitter, I'm going to get them. Maybe I'll take some passive-aggressive shots and I'll get them. Maybe when I'm around them, I'll, 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 I'll say some things that cut them and get them. Do you hear what I said? That was, that was really good, right? Here's what happens. It makes you bitter. It makes you miserable. It makes you sad. And it does not hurt them at all. It just makes you look bad. You say, but Mike, man, they, you don't know what they did to me. I don't. I don't. And let me say this, though, and maybe you should write this down if you're taking notes. Forgiving someone will not change the past. It will not change what they did to you. Forgiving someone will not change the past, but it will give, let me, let me say it differently, but it will change your future. Because as long as you hold Listen to this. As long as you hold someone else responsible for the way that your life currently is, Mike, they did this, they did this, they did this. As long as you hold someone responsible for the way your life currently is, you are giving them power over the ability for your life to change. You understand what I'm saying? As long as you hold someone else responsible for the way your life currently is, you are giving them the power over the ability for your life to change. Because you go, you go, I can't move forward until X, Y, Z. I can't move forward until they do this. I can't move forward until they do this. I can't move. And you're going, Mike, but what they did to me was really, really wrong. It really, really doesn't matter. And I'm not, I'm not making light of, of what someone's done to you. What I'm saying is the bigger picture is being able to forgive so that you can move on. Not to let them off the hook, but to, to forgive so that you can find healing. Forgive so you can find life. Because unforgiveness isn't even really about them. It's about you and the ability for God to work on you, transform you, change you, heal you, grow you. We're actually going to have, I think in this series, a whole day just talking about forgiveness because it's a hard topic. Number four, right after forgive, bless them. Say, what? <laughs> When the Bible talks about blessing someone, oftentimes in, in the scriptures, it's actually the idea is speak well of them, bless them with your words. Luke 6, 27, 28. Let's look at that one again. But I say to you, listen, love your enemies, do what is good for those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. 
Now, as someone is cursing you, talking bad about you, uh, uh, what, what all that is, Jesus says, don't just pray for them, bless them. And my, my hope is that this would be our story, that this would be who we are as a church, that when other people maybe trash us or speak poorly of us, that we have the ability to hold our tongue. And maybe we don't got to talk about how great they are, but that we would be kind. We wouldn't return fire for fire. First Peter 3.9 says, don't pay back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, give a blessing since we were called for this so that you too can inherit a blessing. Now, I don't know what that means exactly so that you too can inherit a blessing, but I like it. Right? Anybody else? Here's what I would say is we a lot of times we speak poorly of these people and run them down and trash them. And it's real easy when someone's hurt us. It's real easy when someone's done something wrong to us. But again, all that does is show how much of a grip they have on your heart. All that does is reveal how much Jesus doesn't have a grip on your heart. <laughs> and we create the world we live in by the words that we say. We, we can choose to speak blessing or we can choose to speak cursing. We can speak words of life or we can speak words of death. We can speak words of bitterness or we can speak words of freedom. Words that we say about the people who have hurt us the most reveals a lot about our hearts and where we are. Number five, Jesus says, and this is the one that we're just going to love, do good to them. Romans 12, 17 through 21 says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Try to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible on your part, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for his wrath. <laughs> for it is written, Vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed them. Oh, come on. Right? If your enemy is thirsty, give him something to drink. <laughs> Jesus, no. For in doing so, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Yes! Okay, finally something we can get on board with, right? And then one of the coolest phrases in all of Scripture, do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. There's a couple things I want you to see in that verse. Number one, Jesus says, vengeance is mine. And I know we want to get them, don't we? We want to see them pay. We want to see them suffer, right? Like, Jesus, I'll pray for them, but can I please see some of their suffering? That'd be so great, right? That's how we feel. But God says, that's mine. And so what we do is we forgive. And what that reveals about us is actually our ability to trust God's heart, to trust God to do what is right, to trust God in the circumstances, saying, God, I'm giving it to you. I'm giving the relationship to you. Our responsibility, as far as it is possible, is if we have the ability to do good to them, do good. If we have the ability to bless them, we bless them. Say, what does that look like? I, I don't know exactly how that plays out, what exactly that looks like. But he says, hey, if, it's, if you have the opportunity to curse them or bless them, bless them. If you have the opportunity to do good and help them, help them. Choose kind words. And he says, in doing so, you'll be heaping burning coals on their head. Yes. <laughs> Except that even that's not quite what we think it is. You're thinking like, good, I'll kill them with kindness. But it's not really what we think. Um, in the biblical times when Jesus was here on earth, coals were, burning coals were very important. 
They used them for everything, for cooking their dinner, for keeping warm at night, for heating up their water. And like even so much so, you wanted to keep the coals burning all all day long. And uh, it was really hard to get the coals up and started once they went out. And so it's really important that you keep the burning coals going because you would literally, you'd wake up in the morning, you'd cook your breakfast with it, you'd heat up your water for whatever you needed, you would, and then at nighttime, you'd you know cook your lunch, cook your dinner, you'd go to sleep, it would keep you warm at night, you'd sleep by the coals, they'd keep you warm, and then you were hoping the next morning when you woke up that you were able to have enough coals in the fire to keep you warm and keep your day going the next day. And so what Jesus is saying, and again, you're like, no, come on. He's saying, do these things, bless them, do good to them, because what you're doing is heaping burning coals on them. You're actually doing this for their good. You're actually doing good to them for their benefit. By, by doing good to them instead of cursing them, you're actually doing something or giving them something that is valuable. And you're going, but Mike, why? Why? So that they can hopefully eventually find healing so that they can hopefully find restoration. Because Jesus is going to talk about our heart. He's going to focus on our heart. And what we're going to see here is hurting people hurt people. And Jesus wants us to understand the brokenness, not just of us, but the brokenness of the people around us there and their need for healing as well. And so he says, don't be conquered by evil. Don't let it beat you. Don't let what they did to you beat you and defeat. Don't don't be conquered by what they did to you in turn and do the same thing back to them. Don't be conquered that, but but conquer evil with good. What evil? The evil within them? The evil in which is being used against you? And then maybe one day they do stop hurting and they don't just stop hurting you, but they find Jesus and they find life. And maybe their story becomes a story of redemption. Why? Because you chose to conquer, not evil with evil, but to conquer evil with good. Because you chose not to say eye for an eye, but you chose to think in terms of eternity versus terms of the moment. And maybe a life has changed because of it. And this is why, this is why Christianity is so different, man. Like this is why it's just like every other religion is eye for an eye. If they get you, you get them back. Human nature is they hurt me, so get them back. What do you do? You go tell your friends and they go, let's get them, right? They deserve this. You do it. Get the right thing. Get them back. Get hurt them. Get them. Get them, right? I'm sorry. I lost myself for a little bit. I have some pain and bitterness still. And yet Christianity, Christianity says, no, 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 no. Still see them as a soul. Still see them as something that is broken. Still see them as something that is valuable to the creator. See them as something bigger than just your human finite ability. See them as something that is eternal. See them as something that is just as broken as you were without Jesus. And you go, but Mike, they hurt me. They hurt you, yes, because they're broken. I'm not saying continue to let them hurt you. I'm not saying let them continue to be in your life, but I'm saying understand that they're broken and that they need healing. And don't scream for your rights. Pray for them so that God changes your heart. Forgive them so that God can set you free from the, from the hold that they have on your life. And then do good to them so that they get those burning coals and that hopefully it would be life into their life and that they would meet Jesus and experience Jesus and be changed by Jesus. Because at the end of the day, God loves them too. And God died for them too. And Jesus wants to see them find life too. 
And so we need to find healing. We need to be able to forgive. We need to be able to overlook. We need to be able to pray. We need to be able to do all those things. Because at the end of the day, it is about your heart, but it's not just about you. It's also about what God wants to maybe do in their life. Because at the end of the day, God loves them. He died for them. And restoration is always better than revenge. Healing is always better than war. And you go, well, Mike, that sounds really, that just sounds hard. It's not hard. It's impossible. (laughs) It's impossible unless Jesus. Because this isn't a pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Go do it, do it, do it. Figure it out. This is no, here's the things we have to do, but it's impossible unless Jesus does it in you. It's impossible unless we have the Holy Spirit of God working on our lives, transforming us and changing us and giving us the ability to overlook the offense, giving us the ability to pray for the person that we don't want to pray for, (laughs) to forgive the person that doesn't deserve forgiveness, to speak well of and bless the person they don't deserve to be spoken well of. Do you know what they've done? To do good for them. It is quite literally impossible unless Jesus. And so I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what you have going on, but I know we all have difficult people in our lives. We all have people who've made life hard, and we all have people that we probably need some help with on those steps. And so what we're going to do at the end of the service is we're going to um, pray. You'll have the opportunity to come and take communion this morning. And what I would encourage you to do is to look to Jesus because he is our model for this. And as we pray and take communion, I want you to remember, someone said, Mike, what is the point of communion? Communion is remembering what Christ did for us on the cross. And what ultimately he did for us on the cross is forgive us so that we can find restoration where we did not deserve forgiveness and restoration. And so as we take communion, remember how he has done that for you. Pray and say, God, help me to do this for other people. Help me to offer this to other people. And and spend some time this morning as we sing this final song, praying and asking God to help you find this so that you can be free too. Amen? I'm going to pray for us, and I, I want you to, well... I don't usually do this. I did it last week. I'm doing it again. I want you to close your eyes, bow your heads for me real quick. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come up front. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to pray for you. And so if this is you this morning, you're struggling with these things, I want to pray over you and just, 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 just ask God to work in your life. And so this morning, if, if these are some things that you said, Mike, I know what you're talking about. That's me. I'm dealing with that. I want you to just go ahead and raise your hand up right now for me, please. I see. It's everybody all over the room, man. You can put your hands out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you this morning, God. You saw the hands, Jesus. God, you, you see the people in this place who are walking through this, who are struggling through this, who are saying, I need this. And God, we know that it is absolutely impossible without you. And so, God, for all the people that raised their hands this morning and all the people who were too chicken to raise their hands this morning, I pray for them, God. I pray for their hearts. I pray for their soul. I pray that you would soften their hearts where it seems hardened. I pray that you would give them eyes to see the people who have hurt them 
as not just the hurt and the pain, but as a broken person, God. I pray that you would give them the ability, ability to forgive, even when forgiveness is not earned or deserved, not so the other person could be set free, but so that they could be set free, so that they could be like Jesus, so that they could move on, God, so they can move on. God, I pray that you give them the ability to speak well. God, I pray that you give them the ability to do good. Lord, work on our hearts this morning as we worship you and change us this morning, Jesus. Heal us this morning, Jesus. Help us to find you this morning. In Christ's name, amen.